This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Sometimes it's hard to believe that truth. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. Sometimes it's hard to believe the truth that in the water there's someone parting the sea. It's, it's easy to forget. It's easy for the Israelites to forget that that was their story. That it was God holding back the sea. It's easy for us to forget that God was in the midst of the fire protecting from death. It's easy for us to forget the beginning of our salvation when it was so fresh and new that we believed and hoped and desired that God had something different for our lives that was different than the hell on earth that we experienced. It was different than the death and the disease and the temptation and the sin that we experienced. We so longed for something different uh, at the beginning of our salvation. And it is so easy to walk away and forget. We see it time after time in scripture, do you believe that there is somebody with you? In the midst of the fire, the temptation, the, 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 the drowning feeling of, of, of sin, as uh, uh, Jonah would give us in the second chapter of Jonah, do you believe that there's somebody with you in the difficulties of life? Sometimes it's easy to lose the hope of our salvation, the hope of the gospel of God. But I want to remind you this morning to re-envision glory and goodness. Now you may say, what do you mean by that? And I mean this, to rediscover the promises of God. Mind from the Bible and His Word that has been preached and spoken over us. We're mining the promises, the truths of God. In the midst of a world that is promising other things, we are rediscovering God's promises in the midst of our trials and temptations. In the midst of every struggle on earth, we are discovering God's promises proclaimed over that struggle and temptation. And we have to remind ourselves that though the world may preach a different message and promise different things and people may speak those over you, culture may speak that over you, you may read it, see it, you may hear it, something. No matter where you get that information from, we need to recognize who is the root cause of that information. Call it what it is. Satan is trying to rip down every promise that God has preached over your life. From the beginning of your salvation until now, Satan, all he wants is for you to take your eyes over the beautiful, merciful, magnificent, gracious gospel that Jesus Christ has preached over our lives something that you have won, not by your own working, but by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Him, we have salvation, and in nothing else. Our victory is in Him, and in nothing else. The victory we have can only be given to the glory of God, but Satan wants to rob you of that. He wants to put in your mind that your temptation has victory over you, that your sin has victory over you, that your disease, you're going to succumb to it, and that's the end of everything. That death is coming and that is the end of everything. Satan wants you to believe there's no hope for you in your life. And so it's so easy for us to forget there's another one with us. You see, we have to be careful here. Because unbiblical hope generates dangerous thoughts. I want you to take those things captive. I want you to put them in front of God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's church. Because you see, you can't trust simply what man and culture is proclaiming over you. 
You see, we often get let down when we do these kind of things. When we say, okay, I'm going to trust this and believe that this, this is good for me. This is what is good for me. This promise I can hold on to. How many times in your life have you been let down by somebody? Right? Too many times the number. So, somebody in here, in this right now, today, believes that because somebody let them down at some point in their life, you have let that continue to be the defining factor of your life that you can't trust other people. You can't trust them because somebody hurt you at some point in your life. Somebody let you down and you can no longer trust them. Or somebody told you they were somebody and they weren't actually that person. They portrayed themselves to be something and they aren't actually that person. They said they were going to do something and they aren't actually doing it. Or maybe you are in that category and you're going, look, I hurt somebody. I damaged them, their family, their future, because I said I was going to be somebody and I wasn't that person. And the reality is every single one of us fall into this category. You know what I'm talking about? Every single one of us step into the category of being let down and letting others down. And it's frustrating and it hurts. But I want to proclaim this promise over you that God is not a God of letdowns. His promises will come true. Hoping in Him will never fail you. What He has promised you is that He will deliver. God is not a God of letdowns. Now we have to be careful here because I can't promise you anything that is not from his word. And here's the thing. If you are letting your mind be saturated and meditate and think on the things of this world and the promises of culture or people around you, even friends and family who are not saturated in God's word, if you allow that to be put on repeat in your mind and you are thinking about that over and over and over again, what happens is unbiblical truths will always let you down because they are not proclaimed from the creator God who knows how to make things happen in your life who knows how to see things come to fruition, who, no, who never lets us down, who never fails us, who's always faithful. You see, when we let unbiblical truth saturate our mind about sin, temptation, disease, death in this world, we're going to be let down. And all of a sudden, we shift from being frustrated with the world to being frustrated with God. Like, God, how could you let this happen to me? And it probably is because we rooted our lives and our mind and our thoughts on an unbiblical truth. So I'm not going to preach to you, I hope in God's grace, not to preach to you unbiblical truths and promises this morning. Rather, what I want to ask you to do is walk away from today seeking and mining from God's Word the precious truths and promises of God's Word for your life because of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, what I hope to do is inspire you to seek those things out rather than the promises of this world. I want you to desire God's promises and truths in front of your sin and temptation and disease and death. I want you to desire what God has promised you rather than what looks like what is good in pursuing that sin and, and, and temptation. You see, unbiblical hope generates dangerous thoughts that we've got to take captive. We need to saturate our minds with biblical promises, not promises of this world, because only biblical promises will for sure come true. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of Goodwill. Anybody out there big fans of Goodwill? Hey, don't be quiet. <laughs> Nothing is shameful there. Goodwill is awesome. I think Goodwill is like the gospel in a store to me, right? So here's what Goodwill is. It's all the unloved items, the things you thought were worthless, the things that you wore a couple times and don't like anymore. It's all that stuff. Come on with me. It's in the basement. It's in the corner of the house that nobody touches. You just walk by and you see it and you just keep going. You know what I'm talking about? It's in the attic in a, in a, in a trash bag and, you, and nobody, everybody wonders, is that trash? Is that Goodwill? 
whatever. And then all of a sudden you feel good because you're like, I'm going to donate that. You know what I'm talking about? After like years of everybody being like, no, 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 you can't get rid of that. Like we need that. Like that's good stuff. We're going to use that one day. And then finally you're like, all right, I'm going to go donate it. And it feels good, right? You drop those things off and you're like, yes, somebody else will benefit from that. That somebody is me. I'm, I love Goodwill. I think you will too. All right, I'm not trying to encourage you just to go there. But what I'm telling you is this, man, I think that a lot of times we can see the gospel being portrayed in this. You got worthless items, unloved items, things that may kick the curb, things that nobody else likes or think is great. I think it's gold. You know what I'm talking about? I walk in there. Here's what I need to see. It's two things. One, a sticker tag on it and a musty smell. You got those two things? That's Goodwill. Are y'all with me? Everybody knows your house smells musty. You're a Goodwill shopper. It's me. I'm wearing Goodwill right now. Don't judge. Okay, I love Goodwill. But I think it's because partly I am like Goodwill. Are y'all with me? I was rejected, unloved, worthless, all these different things according to the things of this world, like guilty, shame. Put all those things in my category. If, if it weren't for God's grace and mercy, I should be kicked out of his kingdom for every eternity, separated from him, spent time in hell. But yet God has restored me and has brought me back to life and now presents me holy, faultless, and blameless in the presence of his Father. I don't understand. All I can do is tell you that there is a God who infinitely loves you and has extended such grace grace to you and compassion and freedom from forgiveness in you, that he can take something that is worthless, unlovable, struggling, shameful, guilty, and restored into perfection. That is your God. Now, let me tell you something. Somebody in here in this room today feels guilty right now. You feel shame right now. Right now, somebody in this room, you feel like, man, Matt, this temptation has consumed me for my life, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, how it's affected my friends, my family, my life, my health. I'm tired of what it has done to me. And there's somebody in this room right now who's lost hope. You feel like in your life there's no hope. Satan has come and robbed you of the hope and the potential of finding freedom and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And all you see right now is the pain surrounding you and the pain you've caused. And you let that put on repeat in your mind and you constantly think about it. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to find the goodness and the glory that's found only in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I want you to put that on repeat because what you face today is not what God has promised for you in your life. We were not built for death, disease, sin, or temptation. Do you realize this? You were built for goodness and glory and delicious food, walking in the garden with your God, hearing his footsteps, being breathed life into you directly from the Father. That's what you were created for. But how often do we settle for the things of this world, desiring the things of this world which lead only to sin, Satan, and death, and we desire these things, and all of a sudden our minds are twisted and and tempted to think that that's what our destiny is, but it's not. Heaven is your destiny, and hell becomes often what we think about. Today, I want to challenge you to think on the things above, not on the things of this world. Hell is not your destiny. Heaven is. So what are you thinking about? Man, your temptation is difficult. Your sin is difficult. But are you focusing on sin, temptation, and the death and disease and destruction that comes from it? Or are you focusing on what God has promised you? Holy, faultless, blameless, forgiven, free, new. God is restoring each one of you.
So I want to ask you the difficult question this morning. Have you lost hope in the midst of your battle against sin? And I want you to really think about this. Have you lost hope in the midst of your battle against sin? Because hope is restored when we believe the promised goodness and glory that God has for us. Hope is restored. But we got to first admit something, man. This is what we've been talking about in this series uh, of recognizing sin and repenting from sin. We've got to realize that this isn't what God wanted for us. So what is? Ask the question with me. Journey through this with me. What does God want for you? If God doesn't want anger to consume your life and to define who you are in your relationships and marriage and with your children, then what does God want for you? If God doesn't want for you to have an uncontrollable urge for food that is going to destroy your life and destroy those around you and consume your finances, if that's not what God wants for you, what does God want for you? And what will that lead to? We need to put everything under the radar and ask the question, God, what is your goodness and glory for this temptation? If overindulgence and drunkenness is a part of your life and path in your life, what does God want for you? What's the glory and goodness that he promised for you in the salvation of your life at the beginning that you lost track of? And you said, there's no way I can't overcome this. I'll never find freedom and forgiveness from you. That's not what the gospel promised you in salvation. It's not what the gospel promised you. Stand in the mercy and the grace and the freedom and the forgiveness and the promises of God in your salvation. You are redeemed. You are a new people. You have a hope that is different than this world. We do not hope that we are going to fail. We hope that we have victory. Is anybody in this room, if you've lost hope and you feel like all you have in front of you is failure, you need to restore your mind to think before me is not failure. Before me is victory. It's not my victory that I won, but the victory of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived a life, died a death, and raised from the dead so that I might be victorious. Why? Because He is an infinitely gracious and loving God. Not because of anything that I've done. I want to read a few verses over you, and then we're going to focus on Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 through 3 says we are always thankful that uh, we always thank God for our, all of you making mention of you constantly in our prayers we recall the in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor motivated by love and check this out your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ Romans 5 puts it a similar way. I think uh, James chapter 1 would put it a similar way as this. It's hope that leads to endurance. If you lose sight of hope, you will often lose, uh, lose endurance. If you lose sight of hope, you'll stop doing what you're doing. It's often this, this that happens. It happens in this way, something like, uh, I'll never be able to accomplish it, so I just quit. Y'all ever heard that before? Like somebody feels like, man, I'll never perfect it. I'll never be good at it. This will never happen, so I'm just going to give up and quit. That's what happens when Satan robs you of the hope of God. That in Christ Jesus, he is and has predestined you to what? Be conformed into the image of his son. That God is working in your life to bring you back into perfection of what he created you to be and ultimately will be for eternity in heaven. God is working that in you. And when we forget that he is doing that, oftentimes we say, well, fine, I'll just give up. I'm tired of trying. 
I'll give you a really practical example of that. This week, I, I think I picked up an infection from Haiti when I returned. Uh, I felt like absolute death on Tuesday. And I'm not even like trying to speak lightly of it. I had meetings and uh, ministry that I had to do. I could not get out of it. I needed to be present in those moments. But I honestly was like, man, just take me to the hospital. If I die, I'll be with Christ. Like, I'm not even, like, I'm not trying to make light of it. I felt awful, but I had to keep going. I had to push through. I was Thursday. It was Thursday. It took a couple days for the Lord to wreck my heart. Uh, at Thursday, I'm driving home talking to my mom on the phone. She's telling me about my grandparents. My grandparents are tough as nails. Uh, they came from the generation that went through the Great Depression. They are strong people. My grandfather had heart surgery on Tuesdays back home on Wednesday. He's a tough man. You know what I'm talking about? Just a tough man. And my mom was telling me about that, and I thought in my head, okay, I'm 32 years old. I got 52 years to go. I literally thought, okay, God, if this hell on earth I'm experiencing is going to last for 52 more years, take me home. I'm done. And it's sort of funny because I'm immature in that way, but I felt it. Have y'all ever felt that before? Like, oh, here's what I did. I was giving in and giving up. And I, I am. I am tired of giving in and giving up when it comes to my health struggle. There have been points in my life where I've been tired of giving in and giving up with my temptation struggles. I have many of prayers. I may have shared this with you. I have many of prayers where I have asked God to create a hatred towards sin in my heart. Specific sins. And I believe he answered in many different ways. I hate certain things in my life. Certain sins in my life. Right? That evil and wickedness is trying to take me away from what God has promised for me. I think he has honored that in my life, and I just don't want it. I don't want any part of it. But man, I'm tired sometimes of just giving in and giving up. Anybody else out there? Stopping that pattern in your life. Stop. Stop thinking about the death and hell and disease and and pain and, and demonic forces that you're experiencing and start thinking about what has God promised me in this? I may not have promise of a, a, a lack of pain in my body. I may not have promise of complete healing from all sin and temptation in my life. That may I may not be delivered from all of that, but here's what I do know. Even if I'm not delivered from that in this life, I know I will be delivered that from that for eternity. Amen. And look, I can cling to that. I can, I can go 52 more, Daddy Carl. I got this. Like, I can't do it on my own strength, but with that kind of hope and knowing that the Spirit is working in me, I can tell my grandpa, okay, I can do this too. Right? Like, let's go. We can do this if we have hope. But when we lose sight of hope, we give up. We start giving in and giving up. And I think there's probably somebody in this room who is just giving in and giving up. You're tired of it, but you're also tired of fighting. You've lost sight of the hope of what God can do in your life and the future that God has promised for you. Not just that God's like in heaven and he's like, boy, I sure hope they get their act together. I hope they figure this thing out. Like, man, if they can figure this out, they'll be doing a lot better in their life. Like, God is not up there like wishing things. You don't, you don't wish things and send your son to die on the cross. He bought you with a price. The son, Jesus Christ, didn't come just hoping that he could save you. He came buying you, purchasing you, dying for you, giving his life up for you, winning you, victoriously triumphing over sin, Satan, and death for you. 
Like God's not wishing for you. He's not hoping that you will come around. Hope's on us. God's got victory. God's got security. God knows what he can accomplish and has accomplished it through his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you in this. If we have a God who is faithful and strong and victorious and can accomplish that through his son, Jesus Christ, and has chosen you before the foundation of this world, then we can have hope rooted in his promises. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope in the midst of your trial. I want you to look with me at Colossians. uh, Sorry, 1 Timothy 6. Verses 17 through 19, it says, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. And, later, and it continues to say there's good, 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 good things that God has for you. It starts listing these good things out for you. I'm telling you to re-envision your mind to what is good and glory. What is the goodness of God? What is the glory of God that he has promised for you in your life? He gives us an extremely specific example here. For those who focus on the uncertainty of wealth in this world, your hope will bounce back and forth. Like, man, I, I'm doing good today. Like, I'm going to be Okay. I'm doing bad today. I'm not going to be okay. Like your hope bounces back and forth. And when your hope is rooted in things that are not secured for eternity, it's always going to bounce back and forth. When your hope is rooted in things that are not secured by your creator for eternity, your hope is going to bounce back and forth. But when your hope is rooted in God, the faithful one, the forever one, the one who has secured and been victorious over all things, we don't have to have a hope that is wavering. We have a hope that is secure. And so I want to encourage you not to have hope in the things of this world that are fleeting. The things in this world that are sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes struggles, sometimes victorious but rather to have hope in the one who is constantly victorious. I want you to look with me at Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. It says, But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. I want you to look at those first two words, but now it's significant. Verse 21 says, once you were alienated. Once you were alienated, why? Because you were stuck in the slavery of sin, stuck in the actions of this world. You were hostile to God, separated from God. Verse 22 tells you, but now. You see, once you were this way, but now. We talked about this in the first uh, sermon we did in this series. But now means you have shifted. There's something different for your life. And it means now. So when it says present, it means right now. Oftentimes we think about it like this. As long as you pray a prayer, say something, raise your hand, walk the aisle, talk to somebody, you're good for the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden you step into eternity and you're presented blameless. On earth you look like hell. In heaven you look like heaven. It's like, what? No, no, no. That's not what God promised you. It's not what God promised you. What are, we, what are we talking about here? You don't walk forward and go, hey, I want to follow after Jesus. And then you're like, all right, now I'm going to do, do whatever I want. And life's going to look like whatever I want. It's going to be hell on earth. I'm going to experience disease, death, and sin, and temptation, and all these things. And I'm going to succumb to all of them. And I'm just going to fall into it and whatever, give in, give up. And then finally in heaven one day, he's going to restore me from it. And I'm going to be all good. That's not the gospel. But now God presents you what? Holy, faultless, perfect, pure, righteous. All these words have been proclaimed over you. Free, forgiven, 
But now God is presenting you. Jesus Christ, through His life, death, and resurrection, is presenting you in front of the Father as holy and faultless and blameless. And you may say, well, does that word mean present like as one day present, presented? Uh, at one time, you dig into this word, this aorist active infinitive in Greek. If you dig into it, what it's really defining out is in this moment and forevermore. It's called a present progressive. Now and forever, God is presenting you. Through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is presenting you to the Father as holy and flawless and blameless right now. Man, can you imagine? Bunch of goodwill items. I mean, that's what we are. Bunch of goodwill items being presented to God the Father as holy, perfect, blameless, flawless. You know what I'm talking about? Like, seriously, think through that. Continually, every single day, you're like, man, I am done. I am giving in and giving up because this sin has, in, uh, has trapped me. This sin has defeated me. I ser- I'm serious. I think somebody in this room feels like when God presents you to, the, uh, Jesus Christ presents you to the Father, you're like, man, if you present me to the Father, I'm going to look like trash. I'm going to look like dirt. I'm going to look like guilt and shame. I'm going to look like fallen, giving in, giving up human being. I want to promise you, because I can't promise this from myself, but from Scripture, I want to promise you this. When you are presented to God the Father, you're not presented the way you think you look like in the mirror. You are presented in the way that Jesus Christ looks like on the cross and in His resurrection. And let me tell you something, that will inspire you to do things you've never done, to feel a way that you've never felt, to be someone you've never been, and to believe that you are somebody who has been changed and transformed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ, freed and forgiven because God's grace has changed you. When you look in the mirror, you don't see yourself, but you see Jesus for the first time in your life. You're free of the guilt and shame that overcame you throughout your life, and you're going, how am I this way? Who am I? And all of a sudden, you think you can do things you never thought you could do before, and you're looking at heaven going, that is my future and destiny, and I thought I was destined for hell. And I thought I was destined for disease and death and pain and suffering and sin and temptation for the rest of my life. And now I can see clearly that God is before me and heaven is before me. And on earth, I'm being declared as holy. And what is all this? It's the gospel. When you look at all of it, it's the gospel. And I'm telling you what happened so easily is the first time we saw the gospel, we looked looked at it and we were mesmerized. We looked at it and we were mesmerized. We were like, I want that. Give me that. I want that. And as time goes on, we start to wander away. Satan starts to tempt us away from it and start to lose our mindset on, and we put it on the flesh rather than on heaven. And we start to look away from the gospel and we go, this is what defines me now. I am a failure. I am giving in and giving up because I am done with all these things. And all of a sudden, you are far away from where you once were. And I am asking you this morning, will you return to that first initial desire for hope and restoration in your life. A restoring in your life that you never believed you could have because it was a restoring that was outside of you and never going to be accomplished through your own strength. Would you remember the hope that you once had? Verse 23 says it like this. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the hope and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. My hope and prayer for you today is that you will remember you are presented as holy and faultless and blameless every single day and that that would be enough to keep you firm and and founded on this hope of the gospel that God is moving you towards perfection and holiness and faultless and righteous and heaven. That's your destiny. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't back down. Keep fighting. 
your God is for you. And if your God is for you, who can be against you? You are a victorious warrior. You have a victorious warrior God. Don't give up. You see, hope is powerful. It's unbelievably powerful. Uh, most uh, people who lead workouts and uh, are, are fitness-minded will tell you there's, um, there's chemicals in your brain that set off when you start doing a workout. Uh, it, it gives you energy. Uh, things like adrenaline can kick in if you really need some energy. Uh, but it's unbelievable the different chemicals that God has given us that if we'll take one step forward in a workout, it'll all of a sudden uh, cause you to desire to want to work out more. Now, if you stop working out, those chemicals are suppressed and they don't cause you to want to work out. They don't cause you to want to do fitness. But if you start, you will keep going and keep going and keep going. Uh, it's unbelievable to think that the creator of this universe created us with the physical ability to just start, and then all of a sudden we're motivated. Like he's given that graciously to us. We should be thankful for what he's given us. Like, but think about this too. It, it, shifting from physical to spiritual life is the same unbelievable things that have done for the glory of God and transformed for the glory of God is just because one step happens. You see, when one step happens in the moment and the movement of this discipline, one step happens in the movement of discipline. It changes everything. You start to be disciplined in other areas. You never thought you could be disciplined. And I think God created us that way. I think we can find that in Scripture as he tells us to start taking these things captives and, uh, captive and start thinking on new things. It's because if we'll just start thinking differently, it'll cause us to start acting differently. If we'll just start focusing on the hope and the glory of God, we'll start to change in our life and in our heart and our actions. It's like one step forward changes so many different steps. If you'll just start moving towards God, I think James would tell us it this way, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. As we start drawing near to God, he's continuing continuously laving us with this freedom and forgiveness and love and grace and mercy that we need to keep moving forward. Hope is powerful. One step in hope can change your life. So I want you to re-envision your life. I want you to re-envision all the different things that have taken you captive, that have captivated your heart to make you think that they're good and make you happy and make you fine and put you on the up and up and make you keep up with the Joneses and make you think that you're set and make you think that you're fine. I want you to re-envision all of those different things. I want you to re-envision the depression and the anxiety and the struggle and temptation in your life. I want you to put all of those in the context of what God has promised you. What has God promised you in the midst of those? I don't want you to focus on what the world is promising you in the midst of those. I want you to set your mind on what God has promised you in the midst of those. And it is only in that work that we can find freedom and forgiveness to keep moving forward in hope. Like, God, you have promised me something that is so radically different than what I am expecting to get from this temptation and sin. Why did you promise me that? And then all of a sudden we start to move towards it one step and then another step. And then it changes things around it. And all of a sudden it's motivating us to move forward. And people are encouraging us. People are challenging us. The word of God is speaking into us. And all of a sudden we're starting to move forward and we go, hey man, this is possible, not because of my work, but because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is possible. Things you never thought you could do are being accomplished because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Hope. Don't lose hope. Don't fail. Don't fall. Don't give in. Don't give up. God has a future for you. So will you re-envision with me? Will you re-envision all things with me? Will you start to look at things differently? I don't want, I don't want you to start looking at things like this because this is the danger that when we lose hope in Christ, we start to find answers outside of Christ. We start to blame things in this world and then we look for the opposite of it. 
This happens so often. When you take your mind off of Christ, you start to blame things, and then you look for the opposite of that rather than looking for Christ. Let me tell you what that looks like. It looks like this. We start to blame disease, and so what do we look for? The cure. We start to blame bad politicians, and so what do we look for? We look for good politicians. We start to blame friends and family, and so what do we look for? We look for good ones. We start to blame everything in this world, and then we start to look for what? Good things in this world. Here's the problem with that. The answer is found in the gospel, not things in this world. The answer is not found in cures, friends, good politicians, a nation, or, or anything that we find in this nation. And I think once you find the gospel, you recognize this, and then all of a sudden you start to see everything in this world in the light of the gospel rather than seeing the gospel in the light of everything in this world. And now you're starting to look at your sin and temptation, your struggles in this world. You're starting to look at, at uh, friends and family and politicians and the nation and cures. And you're starting to look at all these different things and sifting them through the gospel and going, no, but what did the gospel promise me in this? What has the gospel promised me? And I think this is so critical and so important for your life because what you put on repeat in your mind and what you're thinking about in your mind is going to dictate a lot of times what you love in your heart and passion about in your heart and what you do. So I want to help you and I hope that you will put your hope not in the opposite of what you struggle with in the world, but in the Jesus Christ who came into this world to bring you up out of death into life and into heaven. We are foreigners in this world. Why would we look for the opposite in this world? We aren't looking for things in this world because our answer is not in this world. Our answer is found in Jesus Christ, who is not of this world. You're not going to find your answer in this world. So I want you to rethink. I want you to re-envision what good and glory look like for you in your life. I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at envy and say, okay, what would it look like for me not to desire what other people have, but desire what God has given me because he knows what is good for me. I want you to think about life without anger to be able to go, okay, I'm not looking at... um, what anger is producing in my life and, and think about that dominating, think about that, what I'm gaining from it, think about how it helps me in my leadership, think about what that might produce for me, think about how that makes me big and macho or, or dominating over my kids or my family or start to look at anger. It's like, I can't do anything about it. I got to give in or give up. Start to look at what God has promised you. What has God promised you in the midst of anger? Freedom. I want you to start looking at your health and you you say, man, I can't. I'm giving up. I'm giving in. I can't overcome this. Food has become the God of my stomach. Philippians would tell us this. It's the God of your stomach and you can't control it. The desires of your flesh are over consuming and, and, and being produced into a way that is causing death and disease in your life. You look at alcohol and it's become an addiction in your life and drunkenness has become the pattern of your life and you start to see these things becoming uh, a, a slave to your heart and your heart is becoming entangled in the mess that comes from it and you go, there's no way I'll ever find freedom from it. That is not hope. You got to see what God has promised you in this life. Freedom and forgiveness from those sins. What would it look like for you not to be addicted to the cravings of this world? What would it look like for you to be overcome the sin sin and temptation of gluttony, of drunkenness? What would it look like for you to find freedom? I'm not telling you, man, you came into church today and you're like, man, of course he's talking about sin again. Let's go. Tell me to repent. All these different things. Like, I'm a sinner. I get it. No. Come on, guys. We move so quickly from Jesus if that's all we think about. Jesus came to the sinners and sick, and he gave them and promised them new life and grace and mercy before they even turned to him. I'm not telling you, man, this morning that there's something you can do to turn back to God and find freedom and forgiveness because you've turned back to God. I'm telling you that what Jesus did on the cross is what saved you. 
So man, even if you repent and do all these different things, before Christ died on the cross, there was no promise of this hope. Now, because of Christ, there is a promise of this hope and future for you. And I believe that God has secured it for you. And so when you're starting to think about these sin and temptations, claim what has been promised for you. It's victory. Man, some of you in here are sitting in here and you're like, man, I'm so addicted to pornography, adultery. I am so messed up that it's caused such a rift in my family, in my marriage, and in my friendships. I don't think I'll ever uh, overcome. I have seen time and time again men overcome. I've seen women overcome. I've seen people come out of adulterous relationships. I've seen marriages be restored because of the mercy and the grace and the freedom and forgiveness that comes because of Jesus Christ. Don't let Satan tell you there's no victory for you. There is. Some of you have been lying and gossiping your whole life and you've done it so much that you don't have a single friend left. Or at least nobody that you can let close to you. You've been talking bad about people and the, 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 the difficulties that have been caused around you, you look at everything around you and you go, how did I do this? Why did I do this? I'm tired of this. I'm frustrated. I want to stop doing this. I've lost everything and everybody around me. And you're like, there's no hope for me. That's, man, that is a lie from Satan. I told you this in recognizing sin and repenting from sin. And I want to remind you today, it is garbage and it is a lie from hell that tells you that you will always and forever live in the midst of your sin, temptation, death, and disease. It's not true. Heaven is coming. So I hope that you will find glory and goodness in the midst of your sin and temptation and death and disease that will spur you on to follow after Jesus Christ and not to believe the lies of Satan. So I want you to do two things as you walk away today. I want you to mine for the promises of God in Scripture. And what I mean by that is I want you to saturate your life, dig deep into God's Word, pour Scripture over you, listen to sermons, listen to meditations on, online, listen to people just speaking the Word of God, talk to other Christians. I want you to just saturate your life with promises about your struggle and temptation. If you're, if you're dealing with disease, and that, look, that comes straight from hell. Like there was no death and disease planned for earth. God created us for perfection. There's no, it wasn't supposed to be here. If you're struggling with death and disease and you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm scared of it. I'm, I'm hurting with it. I want you to put that in the middle of what we've been using in this diagram. And I want you to, I want you to tell it what God's word says about it, what God's spirit says about it, and what God's church says about it. I want you to remind yourself of that in the midst of that death and disease. I want you to remind yourself what God's word has proclaimed over it. What God's Spirit is teaching you and what God's church has encouraged you about. If you're struggling today with a uh, temptation or a sin, you say, man, there's no way out. I have lost all hope. I want you to, as you have done already, I want you to throw that in the middle of this, uh, of this chart, which is on, you can put it up on the screen if you want to. You can see this chart. I want you to put it in the middle of it, and I want you just to saturate that temptation and sin with the truth of God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's church. I just want you to cover that piece of paper. 
Create it for yourself. Cover that piece of paper with the truth of God's Word because then you're going to put it in your mind. We're going to talk about this in the next few weeks. Put it in your mind, put it in your heart, and then it's going to implement into action. And we're going to talk about how to just keep our mind focused on what God said and not the world says about who we are. And so as the band comes up, I challenged you with this at the beginning of this message. I said, is there anybody today that feels let down? Is there anybody today that's lost hope? You've been let down by others and you've been blaming them for, the, for your entirety of your life. You say, man, it's because of everybody else that I am the way that I am. Somebody messed me up. Somebody hurt me. And because of that, now I am the way that I am today and I'll never find freedom, victory, and recovery. And you've been putting that blame on God to a large extent. You've been saying, okay, well, this happened. God, where were you? What'd you do? There's no victory. You've, you failed me. Where were you, God? You've attributed the letdown of people to the letdown of God. And what you need to do is restore your mind and re-envision glory and goodness to be able to say, God, you are a faithful God who's got victory for me and heaven is before me. And you completely lost hope of it. You completely lost hope. Don't give up. Set your mind back on the hope of the promises of God. He will not fail you. He will not let you down. He has victory before you. If you feel let down, if you feel like giving in, and if you've lost all hope, we've got to look at the glory and goodness of the gospel again. Like the first time we saw a beautiful gem, the diamond, the gold, the glory of the gospel, look at it fresh. And I don't think you'll walk away discouraged. Find your hope in the gospel. Let me pray for you. Father, your word is true. We believe it and we trust you. God, I pray that you would, in a strong way, work in this room in a mighty way, bring your freedom of forgiveness in hearts and in minds. I pray, God, you would free people of addictions, that you would overcome depression and anxiety. God, that you would relieve people of psychological struggles. I pray, Father, that you would relieve people of drunkenness and obesity. I pray, God, that you would cure people of envy, deceit, greed, gossip, slander, lying. I pray, God, that you would rip somebody out of the clutches of pornography this morning. I pray, Father, you'd free somebody from adultery. I pray, Father, you would restore marriage and a friendship. And I pray, God, that you would work in this room in a mighty way. And I cannot promise anything, but I know that your word promises salvation. And so, Father, I ask... Not knowing what you do, you will do, I ask God that you will work. Will you transform lives and set our minds on the glory and the goodness that you promised us? We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.